1: listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 505 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we're glad to have you back after our three-week hiatus uh, with Hamvention in the middle. And we're going to jump into that here in a second. But before we do, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. Cheryl, W5MOO, is on assignment for one more week. She'll be back next time around. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
2: And I'm Bill, NE4RD.
0: All right, so, well, two-thirds of us are back anyway, and uh, that's enough to put out an episode for sure, so that's let's go ahead and do that. We've come to our short topics episode, because the last one we did was our over-the-air, and uh, or on-the-air, rather, and uh, Portable Ops Deep Dive, which uh, we got some good feedback about. So, we should get into our short topics, but we have one sort of medium-length topic to hit, and that is this past well, not this past weekend. Well, I guess it was this past weekend because this is the weekend. So, so Hamvention was last weekend, and uh, I guess we should probably talk a little bit about it before we move on to other things. I I don't really have a lot to say about it that I didn't say about the last Hamvention, other than it seemed like attendance was lower. I have the numbers come out yet?
2: Uh, the numbers have not officially come out yet. Although you know, I'm still seeing that thirty thousand mark is uh, kind of the uh, the what they're saying. All right, so that's
0: that's probably in line with what it was last year it was what 32,000 or something in 2022
2: yeah something like that you know they do base it on like ticket sales and ticket turn-ins and stuff like that so it's uh it can be like you know plus or minus
0: yeah some some random number but i did notice or at least it felt like the attendance of exhibitors was lower do you concur with that
2: yeah, it definitely seemed like uh, we had some holes in our building that weren't filled, and then just kind of casually walking around, there was just seemed to be a little bit lighter in building one than uh, previous years. Although I think some some people took up more than one booth, uh, which maybe added to the kind of wide open feeling a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely felt uh, a little a little less attended, uh, uh, vendor wise. Yeah. I think,
0: uh, as far as traffic to our booth, it felt like it was a little lighter. Normally Saturdays like the heavy day, but it felt to me like Friday was the heavy day this time and the weather was good. So that didn't play a part in, you know, any lack of attendance that, that I think we could attribute to weather. Uh, it was actually quite comfortable and very little rain. The rain happened overnight. So, uh, overall I think it was good. I, I kind of like the new booth setup with the, sort of inviting people in. Um, I don't know that we're going to continue with doing that, but there there were a couple of instances with uh, people who don't know what personal space is. Um, but I think <laughs> you're going to find that in any situation, really. Uh, but for the most part, I think it worked out pretty well. Cheryl was a little bit at a loss trying to figure out where to be. So I don't know. Is there... Is there something you would change about about the way we did it? Go back to the old way, do something hybrid or what?
2: Well, like like, like I mentioned to you at uh especially with the personal space thing, uh <laughs> it kind of felt um yeah, like we were we were kind of in the way of the table and stuff like that, which uh, I think kind of led to that uh um really close in chat and stuff like that. Um, And I think also that probably led a little bit to Cheryl not being able to quite figure out where to go because, you know, um, if I moved over to the left more then like we would all be blocking the table completely. (laughs) So um, Yeah, it was it was a little weird. I mean, I liked it because it was, uh, you know, definitely invited people in to chat about stuff and uh, we weren't in the hallway. But, uh, you know, uh, in hindsight, uh, you know, we didn't have a booth across from us. so we had plenty of room for the hallway for people to stop and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's the only only negative thing I could say is that uh, yeah, it kind of we kind of created our own little problem there. I think
0: yeah the. I I don't necessarily mind the, the table in front. The only problem is it does, it puts like almost a little too much distance between, you know, patrons and us. And I feel like I always have to like shout to be heard. And it definitely did not have to do that this time, but then it kind of almost went too far in the other direction. So I'm not sure where the sweet spot is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll play it by year. I mean, you know, we've got a whole year to figure out what we need to uh, change, but I don't think we need to change much, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right? I think you had just the right amount of uh, stuff uh, that you brought. Um, Obviously, we didn't need the fan this time at all uh, because the weather was amazing. So, uh, other than the fan, I think I think you had the right the right items there. Um, yeah, that that's about all I could say about the booth itself. Um, but yeah, it looked great. I think it looked f- fantabulous.
0: Yeah, I think the TV thing worked out well again this year. I think the fact that both of them worked helped out a lot, and uh, I like the fact that we had a lot of live demo going on at the same time. Plus, we were able to. You know kind of switch it out if we needed to choose different things show show different options or even demonstrate software that people had questions about um but also having your live station up there was really nice and yeah overall i think i think the setup is good the layout you know it's pretty good obviously needs a little bit of tweaking uh i think it was generally uh advantageous for everybody to to be able to see what we were showing and uh i think the booth did really well the visitors were uh, engaged and uh, generous as always, so we really appreciate that. And uh, overall, I think we'll we'll try and do something similar for 2024. And uh, I guess we need to be starting to get geared up for that already because it's only 357 days away. So,
2: <laughs> yeah the uh, the the Wi Fi internet worked great. Uh, and oh, that, that was thing. fantastic! Yeah, we definitely want to uh, shout
0: out to to Dara or whoever got that taken care of because. Last year it was uh, less than optimal, but this year we, we could do it like there was no need of us paying the the fee the fairgrounds fee for the for the wired internet because the wireless was great
2: yeah yeah we were able to keep uh, my station connected pretty much the entire time and you know even tracing out uh, uh, sdr plus plus waterfall looked pretty clean across the connection only only once in a while you notice a little bit of artifacting um to the machine but uh, yeah oh, other than that it was it was yeah perfect it was when mm-hmm. people were like oh that's a real machine <laughs> it's like yeah it's it's actually connected to the radio and everything worked some ft8 while we were there so uh uh, all that worked as well and i mean you you technically could have brought up your station too right so uh you know we could have had that going with your uh, grid tracker and everything else oh Uh, except you don't have it hooked up never mind right i
0: had everything powered off but (laughs) but other than that yes i could have so maybe next time i'll keep my station online as well that too but we had we had a house sitter and there's enough chaos and confusion in the house as it is. And I didn't know what the weather was going to be like here, or anything like that. So, and our, and our trip was extended since we started off in Kentucky for a couple of days as well. So I thought it best to be safe and just. Power everything off and disconnect
2: stuff. So, yeah, perhaps not next time. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, the only thing I wanted to go back on a, on attendance was I, I really think that um, um, we were hurting with uh, traffic in Building Five because it really we really didn't have a, a decent anchor in that building. So there wasn't a lot of incentive for people to come in there and visit all the booths. Um, We did have our neighbor. They moved to Building 2. That's uh, Ham Radio Deluxe. Uh, They got a much larger space over there in Building 2. At least it looked larger and i think they still had two booths probably accounted for but i think they got a little extended space since they were in that uh that corner that was opposite of where uh, tom w5 kub was in the previous year and of course uh you know there were some people we didn't see we didn't see tom he was not there a lot of you probably saw his online his line live live coverage with remote uh stations coming in with the live video of uh of the hamvention and stuff like that from uh jeff and all those guys so that was that was kind of cool to kind of go back and and watch that from uh, from the perspective of uh, the other areas and the the flea market and stuff like that, which I I never get a chance to go out to the flea market. I probably probably haven't been to the flea market at Hamvention since Darras or since uh, uh, uh it was over at, at the other place in Trotwood. So yeah, it was uh it would be nice if we had somebody. Somebody a little bit bigger in there. I mean, HF signals was in there across the uh, across the way from us, and that does spark a little interest, uh, you know, with the Ubitx and and everything else. So it was nice to see them there because I don't think they've been to the Hamvention before, not that I can recall. Um, we still had uh, Tapper down the hall from us, so that that did bring a little bit of traffic in there. But I think last few times we've had like at least a parts vendor was in there, you know, selling you know uh... lecture you know whatever cables and ends and stuff like that and they took up a big section at the uh... (laughs) <laughs> the one end of the building, and that t- tends to bring people in, you know. So, um, I think really, if they could do anything for that, they'd need to do something with building five. Um, I did speak with uh, Neil about that, and he was saying uh, uh, W-A-V-P-G, what, WAVPG, right? Is that right? WAVPG, something like that. <laughs> 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 I never get his call right. <laughs> Everybody that's knows Neil WA9VPG, rap- right? WA9VPG, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was he was thinking that they could possibly move the stem into uh, building five and give them a little bit more elbow room, which uh would bring a lot of the younger traffic and stuff like that into the building, uh which would be interesting um but uh but yeah, I don't know i I think there there definitely needs to be something done with the little curation in the buildings to ensure that uh the traffic is pretty evenly uh evenly accounted for in all the buildings. Cause uh, I did hear a lot from the vendors and stuff like that. And they, they, of course said it was a great show for them and, um, definitely up from the previous year and stuff like that. So, um, it would, it would just be nice if, uh, yeah, building five could get just a smidge more, uh, smidge more traffic, uh, kind of organically with, uh, you know, a few, you know, specific vendor placements in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cuz I think we used to have like Pal Star or something like that across from us and there was a there was a weather station vendor on the other side. I don't know if they were there this year or not. Um yeah, there was definitely some stuff that brought in more people that we did not have this time, but overall I think it worked out pretty well.
2: Yeah. But everyone was glad to see Kenwood back. Yeah. <laughs> Kenwood was back. They did have a smaller booth, but, uh, they still, uh, still were there showing their wares. So, um, I like Kenwood. So that's, that's good. Um, I didn't, didn't stop through there. I just saw their booth. That was basically it. Any. <laughs> uh, any um any specific visitors or anything else like that you want to mention oh i don't know
0: we had visitors lots of lots of our supporters were there for sure lots of people who uh, said they listened to the show and um pretty much just uh drive-bys <laughs> in, in a lot of cases uh don casey nines ZMY was there but he's always there <laughs> Yeah, KJ5T uh, was there, right? KJ5T, yep. He hung out with us for a while. Um, um, was I just thinking? Of, oh, Tom and 4 AI, yeah,
2: and for ha Yeah, the menace stopped by and said, know, "That's great." Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So we had a lot of people stop by. We had a few, you know.
0: <laughs> I didn't mention you. It's not because we don't like you. It's just <laughs>
2: we're we
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mentioning everyone, so. <laughs> For sure. We even had like a, an infamous person, right? Or famous, I don't know, ham famous, as we like to say, uh, stop by. We had uh, Tom, N1MM, stop by a couple of times.
1: Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But uh, he did stop by a couple of times and uh, talk, to, talk to both of us very, very briefly. But, um, Um, Yeah, it was it was an interesting, uh, interesting uh, mix of uh, people Talked to a lot of new people that were uh, interested in running Linux or had tried Linux and just uh, hadn't quite uh, gotten over the hump and uh, uh, talked to one very disappointed user who uh, was wondering about the 32 bit status of things. (laughs) I said, you know, it's it's about time that you just need to give that stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's ran its course and i think every distro is uh, pretty much uh, running away from it yeah you can probably find some stuff but uh um yeah you're losing so much mainline support that it's it's starting to be not really a viable thing to do unless they're just you know having them do like single utility and just custom compile stuff for them and just walk right. away from those boxes and stuff like that use them like a raspberry pi or something you know um use it and forget about it
0: yeah absolutely i mean there's there's still some support for 32-bit architectures out there but yeah at this point it's it's i think we can officially say it's time to move on so yeah yeah for sure
2: um yeah that's all i can think about from ham and I, I really I, I really enjoy the show i mean it we calculated it was our 11th appearance there as ham as Linux in the ham shack. so that was kind of a. Uh, a good mark yep there we have had a couple of uh interruptions
0: um and of course hamvention itself had an interruption so but we we first went to hamvention in 2010 this course is 2023 so there were three years in there where we weren't there once because we didn't make it and twice because hamvention didn't make it (laughs) so (laughs) but uh, that counts right (laughs) (laughs) we were there in spirit with them (laughs) that's right so yeah, it's pretty good. So we're looking forward to number twelve, and we hope we'll see everybody there next year. But I, I don't really have anything else.
2: Yeah, let's move on to our topics then.
0: All right, I'm putting I'm putting some listeners in. Some some folks actually showed up on this Memorial Day weekend to to hear us live. So amazing. PA1SOK. I wonder what time it is where PA1SOK is. Uh, I'm not sure where Papa Alpha is. That sounds like uh, Belgium or something, maybe, or um, somewhere Eastern Europe, maybe? Or am I way
2: off?
0: (laughs) I I may be completely off on where that is, but. The Netherlands. Oh, it was close. Hey, surprisingly close. so all right well thanks everybody for showing up here we'll get down to to who all is listening in a little bit when we wrap up the show but let's go ahead and get into our topics and uh, these are all ones that I found so bill's going to be cold reading the whole night so we'll just let you start off with a with a cold read of this first one so
2: righty. so this is the dqrm RFP project uh, the northern California DX foundation recognizes the negative aspect deliberate uh negative, no, negative aspect I'm already messing it up negative aspect deliberate Q- our emmers are having on our hobby. Uh, we believe this is a problem and that can be mitigated by by applying amateur radio operators vast knowledge and receiving tools to good use in, in order to spur research into solving this problem or the problem the ncdxf board of directors at their latest board meeting allocated hundred thousand dollars to help develop solutions ncdxf oh oh geez i just scrolled and messed up ncdxf will entertain grant proposals from individuals and or groups that specifically outline their approach to identify bad actors. A group of directors led by Craig Thompson, K9CT, and Don Greenbaum, N1DG, will weigh the probability of success of these proposals as well as monitor the progress of the grantees. Funding is available for R&D as well as implementation of the technology. It is hoped that manufacturers will also assist us with equipment and resources. Uh, NCDXF will shortly outline specifics for how to apply for these grants. Uh, and of course, that came directly from the uh, Northern California DX Foundation, and you can find out more information in the show notes.
0: Yeah, very good. Sounds interesting. We we talk about the uh, ARDC and all of their grants and stuff, and I saw this and I was like, ooh, some other people are are giving out money, and this looks like it could be for a good purpose. I don't know if they're specifically focusing on California or you know sort of worldwide but either way removing qrm can
2: only be a good thing right yeah absolutely and you know i think with all the plethora of uh, sdrs out there i mean there's definitely some ability to, to uh, start doing some you know triangulation of signals and whatnot uh so at least you know at least you can do it by power i guess uh unless the uh antenna is known which direction it's pointing if it's not like a dipole or or loop or something like that
0: <laughs> yeah very good so put everybody's gonna get their fox hunting skills put to the test and get paid to do it so there you go all right, moving on in amateur radio topics. I, I think we declined to say that these were amateur radio topics, but it should be obvious at this point. Uh, the second one is UK considering eLORAN broadcast licenses. And I looked up what eLORAN was. It's like extended long range navigation. I think this is what it is. Uh, the United Kingdom Spectrum Agency, Ofcom, is seeking comments on its proposal to issue licenses for broadcasting E-Loran signals and services. This initiative comes, it says, after the agency was, quote, approached with a request to authorize use of the 90 to 110 kilohertz spectrum for the provision of long-range navigation systems based on E-Loran technology. Issuing licenses could be a way to treat all interested parties fairly. After briefly describing the importance of partitioning, navigation, and timing, PNT, or print, punt punt services let's go with punt uh services to modern life the ofcom request for comment observes quote satellite-based punt systems like the global positioning systems or GUPS can be (laughs) that's gps can be susceptible to interference and can be vulnerable to space weather events the e-loran technology provides a terrestrial-based alternative which could be in the future which could in the future act as supplementary or backup systems to gps close quote Until now, with a few minor exceptions, only government entities and those working on their behalf have been authorized to use the frequencies. Such licenses would authorize holders to broadcast eLORAN in the 90 kHz to 110 kHz band, which is the portion of the spectrum reserved internationally for radio navigation. Unconfirmed reports from amateur radio operators in the United States seem to indicate that testing of LORAN-like signals in the 90 kHz to 110 kHz band has been conducted in North America periodically over the last 10 years. While a national strategy for punt has been promised for years and is yet to be published, a cross-government punt office has recently been established. The UK is in a great position to lead the world on resilient punt, quote, unquote, <laughs> said one observer at the recent Royal Institution of Navigation event, the Royal Institute of Navigation. Wow. <laughs> the, the British like to make things seem very, very <laughs> elite. Um Quote, Britain could be the world's leading producer of resilient punt tech stacks that includes eLORAN transmitters, receivers that use GNSS, eLORAN, and other signals, or phenomena. Wow, we're transmitting phenomena. And all the supporting gear and IP to make it all work. End quote. So, interesting. I don't know what half of that's about, but... (laughs) <laughs> it sounded cool, and there were a lot of acronyms, which means it's all fancy and stuff. That came from GPS World, by the way. It's a that's a publication that I had never heard of until today. So
2: yeah, that's a new one to me. I mean, I know what LoRaN is like. I mean, that they use that for you know airplanes and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I don't. I thought they were like discontinuing the use of all those LoRaN stations. At least that I'm aware of, because they're using GPS for everything.
0: <laughs> well, apparently GPS has its problems. Not not that I've ever encountered. It well, unless you're following Apple Maps eight years ago yeah. <laughs> went into a lake. Uh, but that's a, that's a problem with uh, Apple Maps, not with GPS.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully, your airline doesn't follow Apple Maps to get to the next airport because, like, you're pretty much SOL. <laughs> I believe they've got most of those bugs worked out, so there's
0: there's not a lot of people driving off overpasses or into um, you know levees or anything anymore. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's kind of an interesting topic and uh, tangentially amateur radio related. So always a yeah. good thing.
2: Yeah, since they had a comment on it, you know, those amateurs always have something to say about everything, right? <laughs> right. It involves
0: the radio spectrum. They're going to jump in somewhere. So I, I say they. We're going to jump in somewhere. Yes. All right. <laughs> we, are, we are they. So next, uh, this one was kind of a stub topic, so I might flesh out some of this when you get done with it. But go for Alrighty. it. All righty.
2: Cool. This is our last topic in the amateur radio segment, and this is Project Boondock Echo. Uh, is it like the tv show right boondocks? Anyway. Um, not in any way that i can think oh, of. oh <laughs> okay. so here we go. project boondock echo is a distributed store and forward system for remote radio communications. the project is at the point oh sorry. the project is at a point of pre-beta testing where devices will be sent out to a couple of people for 2 weeks of testing. After they find some bugs and make the necessary fixes, they'll do a limited run of 20 or so units that will go out to beta testers. If you're interested in participating, head over to the project page and drop them a line. Licensed amateur radio operators only at this point, please. Uh, The project uses commercial off-the-shelf handheld radios and a microcontroller-based internet gateway to receive and store messages on a server where they can be queued for playback locally or through a remote repeater. This solution allows increased communication in mountains, mountainous terrain and with limited capital expenditure. Radio operators can capture traffic during a pileup, monitor multiple frequencies of interest, and replay important messages. The proof of concept for the Boondock Echo is complete. The project's goals, including several stretch goals, are implemented and working. Denoising, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, messaging queue or message queuing, half-duplex communications, user interface, etc. And this came from Hackaday. And, of course, we also have the uh, GitHub linked in the show notes. And what do you have to add to this?
0: Well, I just wanted to say that there's a bunch of information on the GitHub page, including YouTube videos that sort of explain this thing. But it's basically like hooking a radio to a small, um, I don't know if it's a Raspberry Pi, but something similar where it can just be opened up to listen sort of wideband, like on an SDR to multiple frequencies or just be listening to specific frequencies and sort of capturing and aggregating all of the transmissions for replay or, you know, data mining or whatever later. Uh, So that you don't miss anything is kind of the idea to uh, enhance emergency communications or uh, just help with um, ferreting out a bunch of simultaneous signals that would be hard to distinguish with, uh, you know, a single operator or something like that. It doesn't look like the code is for Linux specifically, but it is open source. It's uh, posted on GitHub, obviously, and there's a lot more information there and a lot more to this article. So just wanted to flesh it out a little bit.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. Sorry, I was just looking at the code real quick to see <laughs> what it was. <laughs> yeah, <no problem. laughs> Is it all like, uh, looks like C maybe? Yeah, looks like C.
0: I, I saw stuff in there about building with Visual Studio and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it's not, uh, not a Linuxy thing necessarily, though. It, I think somewhere in there it said something about, oh no, that's a later, later story. No, I'm, oh, I'm, okay.
2: I, yeah, it's mainly, uh, it's half C, half C, basically. So, interesting.
0: So, it could be, could be written for Linux or something or, yeah, you know, at some point it yeah, doesn't it look like, it
2: like it provides a web interface of some sort yeah so it looks like you probably just spin it up on a server so so it probably right. would be linux yeah
0: so another interesting project sounds good it's been around for a little while obviously they've been crowdfunding and stuff and now they're getting to a point where they're looking to uh, to release and beta tests so i'm sure we'll be hearing more about this in the future
2: yeah interesting
0: all right and now we're moving into some open source topics and the first one is wine and wayland take another step closer with more code merged the Wine Wayland native drive to support running Windows applications directly atop Wayland rather than having to go through X11 X Wayland remains a work in progress, but it's great to see more code being upstreamed. Hopefully, by the Wine 9.0 release in early 2024, there will be solid native Wayland driver support. This merge request introduces the driver mechanism to handle dynamic events from the Wayland compositor using WL underscore output events as the guiding use case, i.e. we want to update the Win32U display settings when the host settings change. In this design, we create a dedicated thread to read and dispatch Wayland events received from the compositor. If a Wayland event handler wants some code to be run in the context of a particular um, HWND, not sure what that actually is. There's no clarification on that one. Uh, Thread, it can add an interval event to a custom queue we have for each GUI-enabled thread. The process events driver callback processes internal events from the queue. In order to wake up waiting threads, we use a pipe to notify about new internal events with the read end acting as the thread's host queue file descriptor. Holy crap, I didn't realize there was (laughs) all this tech talk in here. Uh, this is similar to how WineMac.drv works. Why is this actually needed? That's a good question after hearing all that. Well, currently, Wine uses X11. And so for anyone running Wayland, it will then be run through xWayland, which is basically x running under Wayland like a compatibility layer. So the end result should be for users on Wayland, which will eventually be for everyone. Yeah, sure. Wayland yeah. will be <laughs> usurped by something else before it comes into you know <laughs> its own... To have wine work without the X wayland layer and have it all work nicely far into the future. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. Since my, uh, my, uh,
2: my doubt, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I hear more and more. And, of course, this came from gaming on Linux. Didn't want to miss that. Um, I hear more and more that, uh, you know, yeah, X is dead. X is dead. Um, there, there's been no significant updates to X, and that's kind of like the the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, the future is Wayland, and the current, the now is Wayland. Um, X Wayland's just a band-aid to get all the apps running through it. Um, but like, yeah, you should be running Wayland by now for all you barrier users, right? <laughs> that <laughs> Has that ever been yet? fixed? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, X is X is essentially essentially dead. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, probably dead for some time, but Wayland hasn't exactly been stellar. And like I said, you know, I'm still using barrier and I asked if they fixed that problem. Have they fixed that problem?
2: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I don't either. So (laughs) until barrier supports Wayland or the other way around, uh, still using X. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm still running X. Oh my God. I'm, I'm just as evil. (laughs) Uh, I'm still running X because I'm still running barrier. So
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'll have to look at that. Anyways, uh, our next story <laughs> is a video game one. Oh, we're just gonna keep on gaming here. Look at this. Gaming. Uh, n- yeah, Nintendo hits Valve with DMCA against the Dolphin emulator release. Ooh. Back in March, the plan was announced for the Wii and the GameCube emulator Dolphin to be to release on Steam along with some useful Steam features, but now that seems unlikely to happen. The Dolphin team has now announced that their Steam page was taken down as Nintendo sent a DMCA takedown notice to Valve about it. Here's the statement they released. <clears throat> It is with much disappointment that we have to announce that the Dolphin on Steam release has been indefinitely postponed. We were notified by Valve that Nintendo has issued a cease and desist citing the DMCA against Dolphin's Steam page and have removed Dolphin from Steam until the matter is settled. We are currently investigating our options and will have more in-depth response in the near future we appreciate your patience in the meantime such a shame i'm I'm assuming this is their commentary
0: you're back out now
2: yep (laughs) yeah back out area such a shame why now though dolphin has been around since 2003 for gamecube adding basic wii support in 2007. so dolphin was there during the time the wii was still being fully supported nintendo only Oh, sorry. Nintendo also only went after the Steam page, not the project as a whole, as it can still be found on GitHub and the official site. According to a comment from the Citra developer on Reddit, it's due to Dolphin including decryption keys with the project. Really, it's not going to do Nintendo much good. It's put Dolphin all over the, all over the news, and even more people will now know about it and end up using it. And this came from Gaming on Linux as well. How about that? <laughs> Someone was in a gaming mood today. I
0: was in a gaming mood yes <laughs> but there there were also not a lot of other topics so. <laughs> and the, you know it's open source just talking about steam and stuff so good stuff I guess
2: yeah yeah i've I've actually I think I've used the dolphin emulator once too I, I haven't I don't think I have it installed right now but I have used it in the past and it it did work pretty cool all right
0: I have not used it but i I've used other Nintendo emulators so well maybe it is dolphin in the back end I don't know could be so,
2: it probably do e stuff, though. <laughs> it's on your retro box, right? Whatever your uh, retro yeah, game Yeah, but,
0: but well yeah, I guess the, I guess the GameCube emulator must use it. I don't have uh I don't have an emulator for Wii, but I do have one for GameCube. So Yeah, probably is dolphin. Probably is. All right, so this next one, yeah okay (laughs) strap in i guess uh microsoft has made azure linux generally available Mm -hmm. after using azure linux internally for two years and running it in a public preview since october 2022 microsoft this week finally made its distribution generally available azure linux is an open source container host os for the azure kubernetes service aks or axe that is optimized for azure and aimed at making it easier for developers to use microsoft tools to deploy and manage container workloads According to Jim Perrin, principal program manager for Microsoft Azure Linux, Azure, Uh, Azure Linux allows us to have a very defined, very opinionated Azure focus and to tune the components of the distribution to be exactly what we need to support a container host. The very opinionated part of that means Azure Linux's primary role is as a container host for Axe. It's optimized for Microsoft Windows Hyper-V hypervisor and runs in a virtual machine, supporting both x86 and ARM. That said, it's got some broad applicability. Quote, the Azure Linux container host provides reliability and consistency from cloud to edge across the Axe, Axe, HCI, and Arc products. Microsoft wrote in a support page. Quote, again, you can deploy Azure Linux node pools in a new cluster, add Azure Linux node pools to your existing Ubuntu clusters, or migrate your Ubuntu nodes to Azure Linux nodes. End quote. The lightweight nature of the distribution is a key point. The small footprint includes a 400 megabyte core image and 300 packages, which Microsoft said works well for both performance and security security was a focus, Perrin said in a blog post, noting that all updates to the OS are run through an Azure validation test and the suite of tests is constantly updated. And He also says, quote, additionally, since there are far fewer packages in the container host, the volume of required security patching is lower. And these issues are patched promptly as well, end quote. We closely monitor and fully curate the software supply chain, which enables a greater assurance of quality and resilience end to end. So there you go. Microsoft Linux in the Microsoft Container Linux in the wild. Ooh,
2: how That's long up. before you we get Azure Linux out on the desktop? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently you can do it now if you've got Hyper-V.
2: Oh, so. interesting.
0: Well, might have to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> I have Hyper V running on my Windows machine, so I could I could try Azure Linux and see what it's like. It sounds pretty really, really basic though. I don't know what kind of support it has for like, you know, built in applications or, or downloading applications and stuff like that. It might be it might be just for data processing and clustering and may not have a lot of uh, additional functionality, but it is out there in the wild and you can try it if you want. Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. Interesting.
0: So yeah, it is what it is. We have to report on everything.
2: <laughs> embrace extinguish what no never mind
0: <laughs> this is pretty dense this this thing and i cut it down as much as i could but um uh give it a run through i
2: guess okay i'll go ahead and give this is our linux and the Hamshack segment i don't know if you cut out for me or what <laughs> oh I, I did say that did i cut out for you yeah you were out for just a second so you came back in anyway yeah this is a linux in the ham segment and this is the wavelet lab usdr or MicroSDR is a tiny SDR with web-based interface. A boston-based wavelet lab is aiming to bring a software-defined radio to a broader audience combining a drop-in m2 m.2 SDR radio module with a browser-based interface complete with the ability to quickly share recordings and even the radio hardware itself with friends and colleagues quote uh, usdr is an embedded software-defined radio board that targets ease of use and collaboration end quote its creators claim quote the usdR web platform makes software-defined radio accessible to everyone providing an easy Starting point from which to learn and prototype. End quote. The WebSDR platform itself is designed to offer all the features commonly available with the desktop software defined radio applications, including tuning, spectrum analysis, IQ recording, and decoders, including FM radio. In addition to being able to share recordings, Wavelet Lab promises to support sharing a single USDR device among multiple users through its cloud platform. Quote, we developed USDR, a straightforward hardware solution that leverages web USB technology so you can operate it through your web browser, which efficiently eliminates installation, configuration, and compatibility hassles. End quote. The USDR module itself is based on a compact M.2 2230 layout with an with A key and E key compatib- compatibility. Built with components on on the top side only to reduce its overall height. The device has a Lime Microsystems LMS 600 or 6002D SDR chip with full duplex receive and transmit, uh, and includes a clock stable to claim to a claimed 0.5 parts per million. Uh, Glue logic is provided on an, an AMD Xilinx Zylonix, sorry, Zylonix Artix-7 field programmable uh, field programmable gate array or FPGA with an MHF4 connectors for external antennas. Uh, The company is preparing to launch a crowdfunding campaign for a USDR hardware and associated web SDR platform on crowd supply with interested parties advised to sign up for notification when the campaign goes live. Uh, For those who are already well-versed in SDR technology, the USDR module can also be used with GNU radio and Soapy SDR compatible software. And this came from Hackster.io. Interesting. I don't know if you want your your web... Your web SDR to be transmitting <laughs> if it's open, so you'd have to lock that puppy down. Yeah, you
0: you hit on one of the two main points that, that I took out of all the the gobbledygook in the middle there was the fact that this is a transceiver, not a receiver, and that it currently or will support GNU Radio and Soapy SDR. So there therein lies all the open source stuff. You don't even have to use all their their web-based UI stuff if you don't want to. You can use applications you're already familiar with. So. It still might be a good option for those who are trying to get into SDR without understanding all the underpinnings of uh, the technology and stuff. So so it can be used in both ways, and I think that will be beneficial. So that, that's all we've got for topics for tonight, which I guess at this point is probably a good thing since I seem to be dropping out. But... Um, i guess uh we move on to the next thing which would be announcements and feedback and since hamvention is over our announcements are are like non-existent at this point uh, other than hopefully we'll be recording on a regular schedule at this point going forward and uh no feedback that I could find. I went through uh, all the all the YouTubes and the emails and all that stuff and uh, didn't find anything. So,
2: oh, I thought no, you said you had, had some feedback from the last episode.
0: Did I have some? Oh, man, because I couldn't find it in my email.
2: Oh, okay. Well, maybe uh, we'll find that and go over it next next time. <laughs> I,
0: I will look for it. If I said I had some, then I probably do, but I'll have to go dig for it. I, I did not find it today. so. No worries. No worries. All right. So um, I read the last story. So I guess that means you get to do the the new subscribers and supporters and stuff this time. This will be
2: different. <laughs> yeah. So this is our new subscribers, new supporters, and live participants. Uh, for subscribers and Patreons, we have Sterling and Zero SSC. Welcome. Uh, welcome who we speakers. also saw him mentioned. We forgot to mention him. But yes, we did see Sterling a couple times. Well, at least I saw him a few times. Yeah. <laughs> we did chat with him on setup day and stuff like that. So yeah, very awesome to see Sterling. And he did stop by the booth on Friday, I think it was, Friday or Saturday, yeah. so I, think, I
0: thought it was Saturday, but I don't know. It's all a blur, days. yeah.
2: One of those days. Uh, and on Facebook, we have added Naked Farms, or Naked Farms, maybe, with the uh, space between the N and the I-K-E-D. Uh Mark Henrickson. Uh, we have the Ozaki Radio Club in Wisconsin. Uh, Adil Ayui. Awi- uh, Ron Rosson. Uh, Fred Zabo. And Grace Galactica in Twitter we have at Rittenhouse uh, we have at Pi P Papayankee2 Bravo India Lima and we have at KWF Dave. Um, yeah.
0: um I disconnected. <laughs> Um, just go ahead. And I'm, I'm assuming since you were connected that Alistair has it all. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it hasn't,
2: he hasn't disconnected. So
0: yeah. All right. So, okay.
2: We'll just play January. Instagram. <laughs> we have uh Papa Yankee five Yankee Mike, uh, And as well. We have, um, L U eight Y E underscore radio dot club dot D E dot Los Andes. Uh, On Mastodon, we have Iamo, Echo India 7, Lima Charlie, uh, Zilvis, Lima Yankee 2, Sierra Sierra, and 64 Mike. On YouTube, we have William, Whiskey Charlie 8 Kilo, and Al Rubio. On the mailing list, we have Ken, Kilo 9, Lima Delta Oscar, And on Discord, we have oh, we have a whole bunch on Discord. Welcome everyone. A B eight R G Greg W eight A L Z Brian Incog GSP, Spud Gunman Spud Gunman Spud Gunman, like I guess a potato Spud Gunman. uh, Abbott K D eight I O U Brian Demon Sleeve Peyton Stocking P A one S O K who joined us briefly uh, as a live participant. Uh, William W C eight K. NSGIXGZ6765. Got to fix that name there. <laughs> uh, uh, S54B, uh, Vitamin C, Discape, and Victoria K8VSY, who just joined today. Uh, live chat, we have Mike K6GTE. Ted, WA0EIR, Stocking, PA1SOK, Darren, VK6EK, and Steve, KA7HVT. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Don's in there too, KC9ZMY. I see ah, him. We missed one. Don. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it must have just popped in within the last few minutes, so... But yeah. welcome, gone. and everyone else. <laughs> All right, well, since my setup has apparently gone craptastic here, <laughs> you should probably <laughs> go ahead and cut and run while the cutting and running is good. So, with that, I, go, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and close this one out. I do appreciate everybody coming back and listening to us again. Uh, if we saw you at Hamvention, uh, thanks for stopping by. Really appreciate that, and we look forward to catching you all again there at next year's 2024 hamvention which hopefully will be just as awesome as the last 11 we've been to in the meantime hope you have a great week and the next one will of course be a weekender so uh make sure you have your drinks handy and uh, be in some comfortable place uh, hopefully where the weather is good and with that we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and we'll catch you next time. This has been episode number 505 of Linux in the Hamshack. And for the on assignment, hopefully for the last time in a while, Cheryl, W5MOO,
2: I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, and E4RD, 73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one 909 lhs Show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.